you remain standing and join me in reciting the Shema, which our Lord Jesus would have recited every day of his life. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor with yourself. You can have a seat. Our scripture this morning is long and arduous, and I'm going to try and get through it because it's important. Uh, it's from Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 to 17. It's the genealogy of Jesus. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Amminadab, Amminadab, the father of Nation, Nation, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the the father of Asa, Asa the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Jehoram, Jehoram the father of Uzziah, Uzziah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amon, Amon the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. And after our, the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Sheotel, Sheatel, the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, the father of Abihub, Abihub, the father of Eliakim, Eliakim, the father of Azar, Azar, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Akim, Akim, the father of Elihud, Elihud, the father of Eleazar, Eleazar, the father of Mathan, Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. I think y'all should cheer for that. Actually. It was like a workout. Um, yeah, we read that this week in text study, and it's a mouthful. Um, this morning we're going to talk about story and family stories, uh, and scripture often... Uh, God often tells us, remember, uh, throughout the scriptures, and reminds us to remember not only the story of him, but the story that he has placed himself in our story. Um, and, and, and we see that in the genealogy this morning. How many of y'all laughed a lot when you shared your family stories this morning? Yeah, our group laughed a lot. How many of them were happy, funny stories? About half of them. How many of them were rough, sad stories? Nobody's? Okay. Um, I'm going to share with you all some stories this morning. Um, my, uh, my family tells a funny story uh, about me that I shared with my group. And um, one, of the, uh, one of the folks I work with has a theory that you can, we can tell all our stories through kind of a Genesis story. Um, in our lives, an early story that shows kind of who we are, 
what our DNA is, what our personality is. And then as you go on in your life, you can tell all these different stories. And you see this echoing and rippling through time. You see it in the scriptures as Jesus shows up and does things that harken back to scriptures past. Um, you see this in our own lives when we're doing things and you start to discover this reality of what this looks like as our lives begin to kind of take more shape and have more color as you start to understand kind of the history from which we came, uh, the family tree in a sense, doesn't look so ba bare and starts to look more colorful. Um, when I am five years old, my family, uh, I, I'm the middle of three boys and my mom is the youngest of six and we pack up the car and drive to Florida with the family for a family wedding. And one of my oldest cousins is getting married and um, as we are playing out in the yard, my younger brother and I, um, we see my folks and my older brother get in the car and drive away. Um, and when you're a young kid, there's an interesting feeling where you see your family car leaving and you're out of town and far from home and, and you're not with them and you don't know where they're going. Um, so I remember them driving down the street and turning around the corner where we couldn't see them anymore. And I thought, uh, th th this isn't how it's supposed to go, <laughs> right? And uh, I look over and my younger brother's playing and I think, uh, and I kind of wait a little bit and they don't come back. And I think, we probably shouldn't be outside. <laughs> so I go gather up my younger brother and take him inside and say, let's go watch TV and I take him inside and turn on the TV and pop him down in front of the TV. And I'm thinking, I'm not sure how long mom and dad are going to be gone. So the nice thing about young boys is they make a lot of noise. And so uh, my folks are driving in the car and they had asked my older brother, are Matt and Mike in the back seat? And he just says yes. And he's got his head buried in a book, which he always does. And so he doesn't even look up to check. Well, about two minutes later, they notice how quiet it is in the car, right? And they're like, there's no way the boys are this quiet. And so they ask Chris to check in the back. And of course, we're not in the back seat. So they turn around and come back. And it was probably less than 10 minutes. It was probably less than five minutes. But it left a distinct memory in my mind. And I don't know if it's so much of the memory or as much as it is the story that we continually tell. But through that story, I can tell a lot of stories in my life and narrate that um, something's going on, I'm observing what's going on, it doesn't always go as it's supposed to, and so I kind of gather together the team and do what we need to do to kind of get things back on track. Um, you could say that is essentially the description of my current job. Um, <laughs> I mean, this story that is so early in my life when I'm five plays out time and time again. How many of us have those kind of stories in our own lives, right? A lot of us have those stories. And, and I heard some of them in my own group where they say, here's, here's a story that kind of helps encapsulate in a small way who, who I am. It doesn't define everything about me. It doesn't give me all the details, but it gives you a quick idea. Here's, here's a funny one, and for those of y'all that know my dad, you'll appreciate this. My grandmother was a very, very sweet woman, but she was a very, very strong woman. And if you got on the wrong side of her, you would find out about it. And she was very willing to stand up for what she believes in. 
And she tells this really funny story where one day she gets called down to the schoolhouse because my, and, and, her, and the teacher says, we need to talk about Robert, my dad. And my dad's a really good kid. He's in like first grade. He can't cause that much trouble. And my grandma goes down to the schoolhouse and it's, they live in this small town so everybody knows everybody. My grandma's thinking, what in the world has Robert gotten himself into? And, and they sit down and the teacher says, we have a problem. Said, when all the kids go out to, to recess to play, Robert stays in to, to study. And my grandma says, I don't, I don't understand. And, my, and the teacher says, uh, Robert is staying in from recess, is skipping playtime with his kids to get ahead of all the rest of the kids in school. And if you know my dad, you, that it fits. I mean, it fits with so much of what he does and how this thing. There is these stories in our lives that show up that continue to narrate, in a sense, the story and describe things. My dad tells a story about his grandfather, who was a very, very positive man. They, they called him the eternal optimist. Uh, the local newspaper writer wrote an article about him over 10 years after his death, describing this reality, and it was entitled The Eternal Optimist, and it talked about how positive he was as a person. And my dad tells this story. He said, he, he said, your granddad was always so positive. Dad comes home one day. He's taken, they live in a small town. They have, their family only has one car. And he's taken the family car out for a drive and gotten in a wreck. And he knows they don't have a lot of money. He knows it's the only car. And he's really nervous. And he comes home. And his dad is sitting in his chair with his lamp on reading the newspaper. And he comes home and he says, Dad, we we got in a wreck. And his dad puts his paper down and he says, is everybody okay? And he said, yeah, everybody's fine, but the car doesn't look good. And he goes back to looking, reading his paper and he says, don't you want to come see about the car? And my grandpa says, he's reading the paper. He says, no, the car's fine. I'll look at it later. And my dad talks about how that had such a lasting impact on him that, that his dad valued him more than the car. So fast forward, my folks are married, and they have one car, and they share this car, and they drive to work together. And my dad's just finished a big project at work, and my mom's driving in on her own. And she doesn't like to drive stick, so she's focused on that. And as she backs out of the garage, leaves the door open, and the door catches the garage, and kind of like in Tommy Boy, bends back, right? And so she's thinking, oh my gosh. So she has to go back in and wake up my dad who's asleep, and asks for help on the car. And, and she says, wakes him up and says, Bob, I messed up the car. And my dad says, at that moment, I thought back to what happened with my dad. And he says, so he, knew, he knows what to say. So he says, is, is everything okay? Like, are you okay? And she says, I'm fine. And he says, that's okay. And he goes to go back to bed. And she says, no, I need you to help me. I've got to bend the door back kind of thing. Uh, so fast forward a few years, and my wife and I are married, and she borrows my car and, and goes out and, and uh, gets in a little scrape in a parking lot uh, with a car that kind of parked tight on her. And she comes home, and she says, um, there, something happened to your car. <laughs> and I think back to my dad's stories about he and my mom and he and my grandpa, and I, and I think, I know what to say. We, we have a family story about this. I said, are you okay? And she said, yeah, I'm fine. 
but you know the car doesn't look good. I said, don't worry about the car, you know, and kind of proverbially go back to reading my newspaper. And she says, no, I need you to come look at the car now. And the car ended up being fine. Uh, but these stories we have in our family help us tell the story of who we are and how we live. And they come to be a guide for what that looks like. And I want to talk about that this morning because we come from a very rich family of stories. I want to tell you some stories about our church family. Um, Our church, uh, as many of you know, was a church plant originally from Travis Park United Methodist Church uh, back in 1910. The, uh, The families in Alamo Heights, they had some kids that wanted to go to Sunday school but couldn't make it downtown to Travis Park. Um, for church, for Sunday school in the morning. And so some of the local folks started offering a Sunday school for those kids in the neighborhood uh, that couldn't get downtown. And the church grew up around that. And it grew up on, eventually we start on Broadway, and it really grew up in the center of town. If, if the, for those of y'all that are familiar, Broadway runs from downtown, actually almost, it's like two blocks from Travis Park, Um, comes up to Alma Heights, and it is really the main thoroughfare of the neighborhood. And so we found when we looked back when we were doing some planning, we end up in the center of community as a place where families can come, especially children, to be formed as disciples of Jesus Christ. And we're usually in that place. And as we have done other things, other moves of God through our church over the years, this story has held true. When we moved over here to Bassey Road, which at the time, nothing was really here because the cement plant was still closed down and all that, and the development hadn't been made. And then this ends up becoming the main thoroughfare of 281, and we're right in the middle of this community. When we planted the coffee shop out at Riverside, some of y'all were even involved in that. We ended up at the crossroads of 281 and 46. At the center of community in Bull Verde, We were a place where people could come to be formed as disciples of Jesus Christ. When we planted the foundry over on McCullough, it's right in the middle of that neighborhood. This this identity, this story of our lives continues to play out, and we get to know more and more who we are and what this DNA is. And it's not just things like our family or our church family. It's, It's things like the greater family of God and the story of God. In this narrative we have this morning, we start out with Abraham who communed directly with God and God covenanted with Abraham and said, I am going to make you a blessing to many nations, to all the people of the earth. And your descendants will be like those in stars in the sky. And then we see it go down and we see King David and we eventually get to Jesus. We see this amazing heritage that we're a part of. And we read that and we say, this is part of the heritage of our lives. This is part of our family. This is part of our story. When we look back and tell our stories and see what is going on in our lives and the lives of our ancestors, part of what Matthew is doing here in this gospel and starting with the genealogy is tying us back all the way to the beginning. This is, in a sense, Matthew's Genesis story. To say, all right, we're going to pick up in this New Testament and start telling you about this person of Jesus, but you need to know it all links together. And we're all family. So when we sit down to tell our family stories, we don't just tell our family stories or our church stories. We are linked into this whole family of God. 
Paul talks about how we're knit together. We're grafted in. We're sewn into this family. This family identity, when we talk a lot about identity around here, begins all the way back at the beginning. And we pick up all these things. Now, a lot of us can say, what, what about my family? What if, what if I don't fit in that wonderful story of God? What if I don't fit with wonderful leaders like courageous Abraham or amazing King David who had this heart after God's own heart? Well, one of the wonderful things of this genealogy is that Matthew doesn't pull any punches for us. This story this morning is a story about ordinary people just like you and I who have the same faults and failures just like you and I. The same hard family stories like you and I all know are caught up in this genealogy. And I won't go into it all, but there's hard things throughout these stories. There's murder. There's adultery. There's loss. There's failure. There's death. There's hopes and dreams crushed. There's barren wounds. Wounds. And there's lost lives. And some of them are clearly lost because of what the people did in these stories. Friends, the stories we have that connect us, that make us family, that Matthew reminds us this morning are all a part of our story, are not whitewashed tombs that look nice and squeaky clean. They're just like your lives and my lives. They're just like our family's lives where people do great and wonderful things some days and fall flat on their face other days. One of the wonderful things about Scripture and the stories caught up in them is they are normal people doing normal things, but this immaculate God who shows up and works in the midst of all that. Friends, if we think about the idea of a king and a lineage of God's own child, if you're anything like me, you think this is going to be perfect. This is going to come from royalty. They're going to have it all together, and it's going to be this pure bloodline. And what Matthew highlights in his genealogy this morning is it is nothing of the sort. It's not a genealogy of getting it all right. It's a genealogy of our lives, of the hopes and dreams, of the highs and lows of the screw-ups that we face on a regular basis. And what comes from all of this narrative is God himself in the form of Jesus Christ. And what that says to me and what that says to us this morning is we do not have to have all this together for God to show up. It doesn't depend on us all getting it right. In the midst of our stories, God shows up. Jesus himself, in and through and by it all. And all of it, he comes and redeems it. Friends, if we're white-knuckling it, trying to get it all right just so it'll happen, or God will come, in this passage this morning, God invites us, don't, you don't have to grip it so tight. The Messiah is coming. Jesus is here, and the narrative stops with Jesus, but it continues on in all of our lives. So when we look back at this narrative, we have to read it forward from Jesus and put us all in that narrative, 
in that genealogy, in that story. Because Jesus comes to us all and says, you are my beloved in whom I am well pleased. Delight of my life, my own child, my family. And when we share these stories this morning about our family, God claims those stories as his as well and vice versa. He invites us to claim his story in us. This is the beginning of the adventure of Matthew. It's been a long road. It's been hard, and we've made a lot of mistakes. But in the midst of that, God lives. God lives and redeems. God loves, and he brings his son and his wonderful plan of redemption, and it doesn't count on us getting it all right. The story of Matthew this morning reminds us that God takes ordinary folks, just like you and I, and says, we are part of a family. You are part of my story, and I am part of your story. And we are going to do this together. When they would have read this genealogy in the past, it would have been trumpeted at the end. Somewhat like we applauded, but it would have been this victorious lineage. Not because people are right, but because the Messiah has come in the midst of all this to redeem. And looking forward, he says, I will continue to live in and through you and invite you and all people unto myself. Friends, this is the journey of Matthew. It's not messy. It's not clean. It's messy. It is the muck and mire of our lives, but God is thick in the midst of it. This is the adventure that Christ calls us to in the midst of change. Even in the hard parts of our lives, I am here with you. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we bless you and thank you, Lord, that you are in our story and you invite us to be in yours. Thank you, Lord, that you call us family and that you call us to you and you don't require us to be perfect when we do it. Lord, bless us to know more of our story in your story. Bless us to see you more as family and bless us to hear you saying and proclaiming over us, these are my beloved children in whom I am well pleased.